Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of the HR Social Hour, South Dakota edition. Woohoo! Uh, this is a special episode with one of the keynote speakers for the South Dakota SHRM Conference, Jennifer McClure. Um, and I'm just excited because not only do I get to see her in South Dakota, but I also get to see her at HR Redefined in New York City right before. So we'll probably be, probably be on a flight together <laughs> headed back to South Dakota. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm going to be like boomeranging around the com- country that couple of weeks in May. So I'll, <laughs> I'll be coming from Montana to New York City, then leaving to speak in Malvern, Pennsylvania, then flying oh my to gosh. Aberdeen for South Dakota. Oh my goodness. So I yeah. get to tour the country and that's what I love to do. That is awesome. Where in Montana is their conference? Somebody <laughs> asked me that last week. I was like, <laughs> it's in Montana. That's all I care about. Big state. Um, <laughs> it's a big state. I should probably look. I think I have it on my calendar where I'm probably. supposed to go up, but it's uh, um, some resort. Oh, awesome. Some, some falls place, I think. Great. Uh, Great Falls, maybe? Uh, no, but shout out to the people in Montana. I'm excited. Yes. Go Mon- <laughs> I lived in Montana for seven years. So yes, go Montana. Love, okay. love that state. It's beautiful. You're a keynote speaker. You're the CEO of Unbridled Talent and Disrupt HR. You have your Impact Makers podcast, and you are not just a horse lover, but we know you love horses, um, but you are an animal lover. Love to see you sharing all your animal love. And you also help leaders build careers that they love and lives that matter, which that's just the best tagline ever. (laughs) I kind of like it. It kind of came out. It came down from above one day. I was like, I like that. (laughs) I like it a lot. So we talked about Montana a little bit. Um, Let's talk about South Dakota because that's where you're coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you've been here before cause I've seen you at uh, a couple of different things, but mm-hmm. how many trips to South Dakota and have you ever been to Aberdeen? You know, I had to like, uh, make sure I had my, my numbers, right. <laughs> I, my first trip to South Dakota actually was a cross country road trip with a friend of mine, Amy Beth Hale, who's now Amy Beth Quinn. She's research goddess on Twitter. And Amy Beth was moving from Cincinnati to Bellevue, Washington and oh, wow. she rented a U-Haul and I took her out to dinner like the Friday night before she was driving cross country with everything she owned and her car towed in the back. And she said, why don't you come with me? And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and it was Labor Day weekend. And she said, you don't have anything else to do. And I was like, well, okay. Uh, and little did I know what I was getting into because I didn't really want her driving cross country by herself. She was yeah. in her early 20s at the time. And so I just said yes, not knowing she had mapped, she told me she had mapped out the road trip. Amy Beth is very um, detailed. So I knew that we were in good hands. And we took off from Cincinnati at like 4.30 in the morning with her two cats and a carrier in oh. the middle of the U-Haul. <laughs> and one of them pooped in the carrier before we left the parking lot. So just to give you, this is, I'm getting to South Dakota. Uh, we drove from Cincinnati to Minneapolis, which was a really long way. I didn't yeah. realize that was the direction to go to Bellevue, Washington. <laughs> but she had made a commitment to see some friends on the way. And we, oh, okay. we, we met a friend, a mutual friend, Paul DeBetting Nees there. And then we drove the next day from Minneapolis through South Dakota, through Wyoming. And I think we stayed in Wyoming somewhere. And that was my first um, foray into the great state of South Dakota. And I was thrilled. But literally it was, I mean, it's the Midwest. We like like to say it's corn, but it was hay field. Hay. Oh yeah. 
this hay after hay after hay. And I'm, I'm a farm girl. I was like, this is where all the hay is at. But it was beautiful. We stopped at uh, the Corn Palace, which I believe oh, is good. in Mitchell, South Mitchell. Dakota. Yeah. That was on Amy Best's uh, bucket list. <laughs> uh, over Labor Day weekend, we ended up in Washington State. So that was oh, my first wow. trip. Um, and very, it will always have good memories about that. But then I've been nice. back a couple of times. I spoke at the South Dakota Safety Council Conference a couple of years ago, and I was at Disrupt HR Sioux Falls a couple of years ago as well. That's so fun. unless we drove through Aberdeen, <laughs> again, I was not the navigator, so I don't know if we did it. And it's possible I may not have been to Aberdeen yet. That would have been way out of your way. Um, okay. <laughs> we went through Mitchell uh, to go to Aberdeen. You're going to when you land in Sioux Falls, you're going to go straight north for about two and a half, three hours, and, and you'll get to Aberdeen. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited. Then that just is another piece of South Dakota I've yet to explore. It's a beautiful little town. You know, you'll be talking about the future of HR, and you know, I'm not going to ask you to give away the whole presentation, but what are your two top things that you're hoping attendees get from your presentation? Sure. I mean, I've, I've been talking about the future of HR now for, I, I had some memories pop up in my Facebook memories today from Louisiana Sherm 2013, Robin Schooling. Oh, wow. thank, you. thank you, Robin. Um, Robin <laughs> me to be my first keynote and it was the future of HR. Now you might be saying, what? It's uh, however many years old that is, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is truly, I mean, it is I think my most popular keynote, and it has had staying power, I typically retire my talks after a period of time and always try to introduce a new one every year, but this has been my most popular talk for years for the reason of when I say the future of HR, it's relevant to people at all levels of HR and I think even of leaders because I'm not really talking about, you know, the, the five pieces of technology you need to implement or, uh, you know, six ways to interview the best candidates and hire them or retain them. What I'm talking about is mindset. What we need Need to be thinking about to be relevant in the future of work, which of course as HR leaders, we need to be front and center in that. So whether you are, you know, the new HR assistant in town or you're the CHRO of a large organization, I'm trying to share what I think are four key areas that we need to focus on in order to make sure that we are adding value to the business. And because we are in HR, I think we are uniquely situated and very well positioned to be the most valuable person in the company doing that. So that's what I get excited about it. I can get really <laughs> passionate about it. And here we are, I guess, like I said, 2013, yeah. 2019, I guess that's seven years if you're doing doing the year math. Um, and I feel like last year, I, I've told a couple of people, I, you know, spring and fall is busy for conference season. And I was speaking at Michigan Sherm last fall, 1,200 people at their largest event. And I remember a moment kind of being there on stage where I was like, I am in the zone with this talk. <laughs> it's taken nine years to get here. <laughs> But I feel like it, it is something that, again, it, uh, audiences can connect with and then also hopefully be inspired and motivated to go back and, and implement some of the things we talk about. Yeah. And for any speaker, the challenge, if you're, you know, the larger the stage you get on, or if you're a keynote, the challenge is always that the audience is going to be a mixed group of people, you know, mixed in industry and background and their thoughts, et cetera, but also different levels and what conference organizers really want and what speakers have to strive to achieve is to craft and deliver a message that is relevant 
to everyone in the room, but yet the the C-level people feel like they got their money's worth and their value, and the entry-level person feels like they can aspire to what you've talked about. So that's why I said, I think, you know, I've been a full-time speaker now for nine plus years, and it's taken me <laughs> nine <laughs> years to really get to that, where I feel like, yeah, this message is for everybody, and I get the feedback that people believe that as well. So I know you do a great job of being available before and after when you're speaking to chat with people. So what are you hearing from um, session attendees? What are, what are they asking you? Are you seeing a theme in the last few years um, that, that needs to be addressed? Sure. Um, probably one of the most common you know, pieces of feedback that you get from the people that maybe come up afterwards or send an email or connect on LinkedIn afterwards is it sparked, you know, whatever talk I'm doing, I'm really talking about how to add the most value and strategic impact, you know, coming at that from a number of different ways. So they'll often have a question about a particular type of issue that maybe they're trying to sell their leadership on or they're getting resistance from leadership to implement something. And so they want advice or um, suggestions on how to really go about that. And it's it's fairly common, I think, to once we maybe have the chance to chat, which standing in line with a group of people often isn't the best place. So I try to find a way we can connect offline after that. I, I usually ask first a question or two and, you know, what was the problem that you originally wanted to solve when you were proposing this program, solution, software, whatever it is that you're having trouble selling. And what I find is that a lot of times people have real difficulty articulating the actual problem they're trying to solve. And so by working through that and asking questions of them, they often then realize that maybe one of the reasons why they're having difficulty selling it is that they haven't done a great job of justifying the need. You know, it's, it's often, I went to a conference, I heard that, you know, leadership development programs are, everybody should have one. And so I went back, I did some research and I proposed a great one to my leadership and they're like, why? We don't need this. And I'm like, <laughs> and I asked the question, I'm like, well, why did you think you needed a leadership development program at your company? And, and they kind of the lights start to go off and they're like, oh, wow, you know, maybe that's where I should have started. Do we have a leadership development issue? Do we have key people that need some additional training? You know, what's the problem that surfaced the issue that I am proposing a solution for? So that's, I think of the feedback or the questions that I get, they often fall into those buckets of the difficulty that we have in trying to influence others, whether that's to sell a program to get approval or to get a hiring manager to make a decision on a candidate. And so understanding how to wield that influence and what the levers are to get what you want in a, a righteous way, um, not in a manipulative way. Um, <laughs> I think that we sometimes skip over those steps, right? To this is the right answer. I just know it. You've got to trust me. Why aren't you believing me? <laughs> and, and that's not the way this works. <laughs> that's, I, I love that. The why help them see what the why is. And so much will fall into place if you can articulate the why. I, mm -hmm. I, I truly believe that. So you'd had your podcast is, was just phenomenal. So, and I keep hearing you're bringing it back. It's coming back. Coming I have an interview tomorrow, and we are going to be banking up some episodes to to reignite the Impact Makers podcast. Um, awesome. 
30 plus, I think 30 episodes. They're still getting downloaded. People still listening to them. I was the biggest fan of my own podcast. Every week when I published, I'm like, I can't wait to listen to this for the third time. Um, because I really, my goal was to talk to people who are out there making a difference in the world and making an impact. And, and I started with people that I know, or that I, you know, at least had an avenue to be able to connect with. And so many of them are people that are in, you know, the, the HR recruiting community, although, you know, impact makers can be anyone, not just HR recruiting folks, but there are also people that maybe I've known for a long time, but we were able to have some more in-depth conversations about what brought them to where they are today and um, some of the challenges that they've faced or how they've overcome them. And I personally was just fascinated with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fascinating friends. I, 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 I yeah, I and love. I, I know a lot more fascinating people, yeah. or I, you know, I probably <laughs> like every podcaster. I see, you know, an article about someone. I just saw a tweet before we hopped online, and I had already put him on my dream wish list. <laughs> the guy that that uh, mows yards for people for free. I'm like, oh yeah, reach yeah. out to him and be like, I want to have you on the Impact Makers podcast because I think yeah. we can all learn from people. Again, it's it's back to that kind of people of all levels in the organization. Sometimes uh, maybe you say, well, I'm new here. I can't have an impact. Yes, you can. Or you say, I'm the CHRO. You know, I, I am impact by definition. Well, not necessarily. Right. <laughs> I want to talk to people who have figured out the path to impact not just in the people's lives and maybe they work with, but whether it's their family or if they are doing something in their community and how people are approaching that with whatever resources or education or skills that they have. And then also in understanding how that's helped them to develop and grow. So yes, the Impact Makers yeah. podcast will be making a comeback. Looking forward <laughs> to it. Uh, and I think my favorite, my favorite series you did was on the personal brand. You know, it's, it's something good to think about. And so I've been using some of the things that you, you shared in um, some of the things that I've been doing for personal and at work. So I started thinking, you know, how, what are a few things that um, HR pros can use from building their personal brand to help, help build that employer brand that needs to be out there as well? Sure. I think, you know, I, since my background is human resources, obviously I work with leaders at all levels and, and backgrounds, but over the years, as I've tried to encourage particularly human resources leaders, whether it was to really build out their LinkedIn profile or to get involved in social media or to maybe even write or blog. So sometimes they go right to security. You know, I, I want my privacy. I, yeah. I have a couple of people tell me, oh, I've been stalked or I've, you know, been this, that, and I'm like, honey, you are already able to be found online. You know, first of all, I'm sorry that <laughs> happened to you. Um, I'm not making fun of that, but, but not yeah. having or taking the opportunity to really develop your brand and to take control of it and to share information that's not only going to help you grow your career, but help your company as talent attraction, retention, et cetera. That's a missed opportunity. So to take the standpoint that uh, it's a security or a privacy issue, we're not talking about sharing your home address. Again, although I can find that very easy. <laughs> that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Yeah. It's true. What I'm talking about is what are you passionate about? What are you best at? Where do you have something to say? You know, the term thought leadership influencers is thrown around a lot in the social media space, but the reality is everyone has thoughts. Um, and if you have thoughts, 
you should be sharing your thoughts <laughs> if you're a leader or you want to to get noticed in your company you know so if you want to take charge of your career i think personal branding is really about career management take charge of your career by really defining what you're best at by sharing your thoughts on that because that will not only help people to see you as a person with some authority in that space but it will also help you to shape your ideas as people give you feedback or you have discussions with people or you find other people who have different thoughts than you you've got to get out there and start sharing your own ideas in order to develop them. So I think to get noticed in your career, really developing your personal brand is very helpful. But from the company standpoint, if you personally think you as an individual, Wendy or me or the people that are listening to this podcast, when you were thinking about accepting the last job that you took, you know, some of you, maybe that was 30 years ago. Some of you, maybe it was last week. But when you were thinking about considering the job before you, one of the things that you considered was who you were going to be working with and for. Most of us now in today's world, you do things like ask other people in your community what they know about the company. You do things like look up on LinkedIn and see who the leaders are and what their profiles say about them. Maybe even go so far as to say who's out there on social media and sharing or who has a blog. You want to learn about the people that you're going to work with. And the more quote, impressive they are with their thought leadership or their authority or their expertise or how well known they are in the community or in their industry, the more likely you are going to be excited about going to work with them. Plus, you're also going to know more about whether or not this is a good fit for you. So having the leaders in your company, and again, particularly your HR recruiting leaders, have really strong personal profiles on LinkedIn. Uh, I advocate for certainly being active on social media. And if you can write and share your thoughts, have a blog, go for it. And if you want to even podcast, do that too. Because the more you can be seen as a leader in your field and in your industry, that translates to your company. Your company gets shine from that. It helps you to attract the best talent. And I think it also helps people to stay with you because they know more about what you think. I mean, how many, I've been uh, in the working world now since 1988. So what's that, 31 years? Long, <laughs> well, wrong. I, I, just, I just told a fib. Uh, that was my first real HR job was 1988. I've been in the working world since 1986. That makes me old. Um, <laughs> probably older than most of the people listening to the podcast, to think back to some of the people that I worked with and for many years ago, I didn't really know anything about them. So the opportunity to know my leaders and their thoughts and their opinions about the workplace or about our industry or about the work that they do, I think it's a gift. So why not give it? You know, as a person who did recruiting for a number of years and, and some time as an executive recruiter, when I place a phone call, leave a voicemail message, invariably these days, you're not going to get a live person or you're going to send in a message, whether it's via email or LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. The first thing someone's going to do is to look you up on LinkedIn mm -hmm. or to Google you because they're not going to waste their time giving you a call back if they don't think that you're worth their time. Right. Um, and if they do, let's say, just go to LinkedIn and look at your profile and it's not complete, you have, you know, 10 connections, you don't have a profile picture up, how excited are they going to be about giving you a call back? And it's like yeah. uh, the old adage, which is not fair. And I think we're much more aware, thankfully, today, but in the old days, like two years ago, um, <laughs> the conventional wisdom, though, is that gaps on resumes, you know, were, were bad news. And oh, yeah. I, I always used to joke, I mean, if you don't fill in the gap for me on the resume, then already I've decided you were in jail. Now, <laughs> I, I've evolved, I've evolved. 
because <laughs> even if you are in jail, that doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't going to be a potentially great hire for our company. But what you're doing when you don't have complete information out there about you is you are allowing someone else to craft a story for you. And if you call and leave me a message, let's say you're recruiting me for a position to come and work in your company, you call and leave me a voicemail message or send me an email. I look you up on LinkedIn. Your profile is sparse. Automatically, I think that you're not very good at what you do. And here, maybe I'm just being vulnerable and sharing this and people can criticize me, send your tweets to actually <laughs> But I think you're not very good at what you do. I think that you have some serious privacy issues in a world where you need to understand better about what privacy really means uh, and how vulnerable you are. So take charge of it. And I also, I'm not really impressed with your company. Now, maybe you work for Facebook or Google. And so I'm theoretically impressed by your company, but I'm not really excited about talking to you. You haven't taken the time to establish credibility where before we wanted to get people on the phone to be able mm -hmm. to establish credibility. Today's world, your credibility is rises or falls on your online presence. And so really understanding your personal brand, really doing a great job of communicating it, taking advantage of free tools and opportunity like LinkedIn, like blogging, like podcasting, like social media, all those things are quote free or can be free. Right. Um, there are plenty of ways out there to really establish your credibility and just, I think, make yourself a talent attraction magnet. So Jennifer, as the CEO of Disrupt HR and a prolific speaker, you've done talks of all lengths and styles. Do you have a favorite? And how do you change your preparation for all the different styles of talks? That's, that's a, we could do like an online course on that question. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there, there's two ways to look at this. There's one, I think, from uh, the event organizer standpoint and from the audience that the event organizer is trying to please. I do think there's a real strong appetite for shorter presentations, whether that's, you know, 20-minute quick hits or, um, you know, 30, 40-minute quick hits or even the Disrupt HR type five-minute, 10-minute uh, talks. Getting the information across in a short attention span world, I think, is, is more and more of a focus for conference organizers. As a person who is the speaker or the person who is, is fitting into those formats, I can and have done all the above. Um, and maybe, again, because it's old school and it's because of what I primarily do, I do think for a keynote, um, you probably do want to give that person a little bit more time to really craft a story because a keynote is different than a breakout session, is different than a workshop, is different than a seminar. In a keynote, again, you're really trying to hit maybe one or two points at a high level. You've got to draw people in with a story. You've got to explain to them why they should pay attention to your idea. And then you've really got to, you know, send them out the door with a story and some anecdotes that, uh, helps them to internalize that and hopefully leaves them inspired and motivated to go forth and make change. If you can make them cry, you have hit the lottery. Um, <laughs> cry tears <laughs> of happiness. So, you know, I think the, the keynotes that I do are typically anywhere from uh, 50 minutes to a lot of the SHRM conferences are around 15 minutes. And, and I can, can, after nine years, I think, uh, hit those two to three points with an opening story, a closing story, and some inspiration, motivation, and a few tears, and I got you. Um, <laughs> how do I prepare for things like Disrupt HR Talks versus that? Again, a keynote, for me, that took years to really 
really make it tight uh, to find the stories and the examples and the case studies that, that really do have an impact. So I think that's like a lot of things, it's kind of the pinnacle. For the breakout sessions, it's really about teaching something that you know to people who want to learn how to do that. So it's much more about, you know, what, it, what is it that I'm trying to share with you? I need to realize that in 45 minutes or hour, hour, 15 minutes, I'm going to have to kind of tell you what the problem is, why my solution or my idea is, is the, the correct path. And here's three or four or five ways that you can go do concrete tasks or things to, to actually engage with that. So it's much more about imparting some action steps for people to take home. And then in the Disrupt HR type talks or Ignite or even TED talks, you know, those five, eight, 10 minute talks, I love them for a lot of reasons. I, I, I struggle with them still as a speaker, um, you know, because for anybody, I think to, to really understand your idea well enough to craft a compelling five minute talk is not an easy challenge. And with the Disrupt HR format where the slides are automatically advancing every 15 seconds, it kind of throws an additional kink in. <laughs> and I think I've given eight or nine Disrupt HR talks now. And I learned after my very first one, for me personally, I make sure that I have an idea. I know what I want to say. Then I come up with some slides that are more than likely images or memes or something that I'm not like trying to turn around and saying, you can see here in the chart, you know, that, <laughs> that is a disrupt HR killer because you are invariably not going to be on time with your slides. So the more that I can craft a slide deck that just allows me to um, get my point across in five minutes, I think that was good training for me as a speaker to to understand that Disrupt HR format. Because if you can't give a talk in five minutes, then you can't give a keynote talk for an hour and 15 minutes. Because if you do that, if, if you can't say, I can't cramp, I can't contain my idea to five minutes, more than likely in that 75 minutes, you're going to be all over the place. You know, I attended a session with a, you know, someone that I know personally, I admire them personally, I know they have a lot to say. And it was unfortunate because for the full 75 minutes, this person never made a point. Mm. <laughs> and I was, I was really struggling. You know, I was in the room to support them. I wanted to learn about the topic, but uh, there were a lot of other people that didn't stay. And so yeah. there has to be, I think, the discipline to say, regardless of the length of the presentation time, that you have an idea, you get it across, and you you say it in a way that's compelling enough, which again, usually stories are required to have people remember it after the talk is over. You know, I can't remember uh, a talk that I heard last week about big data and, you know, why it's the future, but I can remember talks that I've heard where somebody shared a story about how they made a mistake and they learned something and this is what the result was once they learned it because I remember the story. Right. So, Good speakers really work very hard at the story that matches with their message. And I think that's the theme for all levels of talks. All right, I got my notes down so I can work on my talks. <laughs> <laughs> well, Get my I mean, stories. I'm giving a talk at Disrupt HR Chicago uh, in two weeks, and I'm back to that. What's the big idea? You know, it's power of creating yeah. movement in HR. What's the big idea? Then how am I going to get some supporting slides to support my 
two or three points that I'm going to make in that talk. Mm -hmm. um, I, again, I see I've watched hundreds of Disrupt HR talks, good and bad and terrible and wonderful. <laughs> and the, the really terrible ones aren't even necessarily the ones where people mess up or get behind the times of the slide, because a lot of times if you can handle that uh, with humor, um, go with the flow, then you can save that. That sometimes makes for good entertainment. But the people who really approach this with, I've got 20 slides and all 20 slides have to have lots of words or <laughs> a point or an idea, 100% chance they will, number one, it's information overload in five minutes. Uh, number two, they are 100% going to get behind the time of their slides and more than likely because they practiced so much, because they had so much they wanted to cover in that five minutes, they're going to get out of order and sink in their head, and it's just going to go down the hill fast. Um, <laughs> the, the little lone tip, I don't have this insight for a lot of other uh, types of talks, but for Disrupt HR talks, average view time is a little over a minute. So of the, oh, wow. of the 3,200 videos we have out there, so hundreds, thousands of minutes of content, the average view time for a Disrupt HR talk is a little over a minute. That tells me mountains, both as a speaker, as a uh, organizer, et cetera. You've got to get in quick. I mean, especially if someone's watching a video at an event, maybe people are kind of like, you know, going with the flow. It's a little bit easier. But for that video, I just watched one today uh, where we were literally, I looked at the time. It was like, because I, I, when I watch them, I try to give everybody at least two and a half minutes because I'm trying to like curate them and, and mm -hmm. put in keywords, et cetera. I give them two and a half minutes and we were two minutes and 14 seconds in. And I'm like, she has literally said not one thing yet. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, it was a lot of, I don't even know. I mean, I looked at the title of her presentation. I had not heard why, you know, we were not headed down that path yet. So, and I'm sure again, some of it's nerves for a lot of speakers, but there are a lot of people who call themselves seasoned speakers who get up there and in five minutes really say nothing at all. I love the, the discipline of that five minute talk. I love that you have to get in and get out and shut up. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, you gotta, you know, you gotta know your stuff. Mary Faulkner said it's a great way to dip your toe in that speaking water because you learn the rhythm, you learn, get your story, get your idea, get in and, and share it. And now knowing that people watch about a minute, I'm going to share that with our, um, with the speakers for Brookings. Like you have one minute to get everybody's attention. <laughs> I co-organized the events here in Cincinnati and we're getting ready to do our sixth event. And I sent out information every week to the speakers to get them prepped. And the first thing I say is come out of the gate hot, you know, yeah. share a stat, share a shocking fact, you know, make people laugh, whatever it is, but you've got literally seconds to grab their attention. So you don't start with, hi, my name is, or I'm excited right. to be here to talk to you about, or wasn't that last speaker great? Because they're already judged. They've judged you. <laughs> In that two seconds it took you to say, <laughs> wow, Wendy, I really enjoyed your talk and now you stole my thunder and you yeah. know, I'm like, I'm out because you clearly yep. aren't prepared. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so with your glamorous speaker life all over, you know, Cincinnati and all over the United States, um, <laughs> you have traveled around the world. I've seen you. I like the way you frame that up, the glamorous speaker life all over Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been to Cincinnati, so that's on my list. It's very um, glamorous. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're coming to South Dakota, so. <laughs> so with all of your travel, you've probably come up with, with some tips for other business travelers. Your top two tips for people that are getting ready to go on the road with. Yeah, I think to enjoy the journey. 
I, I and I'm I'm in a unique position. My my son is grown. He's 27, and my last cat passed away last year, so I don't have animals in the house anymore. Uh, my horses are in a full care facility, so for me to travel, I'm not leaving family or small kids, etc. So I will caveat that. But for everybody, I think it's really just to embrace that the travel is part of the experience, and to try to find opportunities to either enjoy that or to relax or to uh, get work done, whatever your preferred method is, because invariably there will be delays. Invariably there will be people that frustrate you because they don't know how to board a plane or to go to TSA. Um, <laughs> there will just be, I mean, I, I'm on the road every week pretty much now through mid-June and the chances that everything will go smoothly are zero. So I need to, before as a speaker, before I get on a plane to go somewhere, I'm in the back of my mind, first of all, always book the first flight out and always go in the day before, because therefore, if it starts to get delays, you have other options to travel. And if you're coming in the day before, you have options there. So I am 100% always saying, if I'm speaking in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and I'm in Cincinnati, but I said I'll be coming from Pennsylvania. But even right. then, I'm coming from Pennsylvania. I'm speaking in Pennsylvania on the 8th. I need to be in Aberdeen uh, the morning of the 9th. So the, the air travel gods need to be nice to me <laughs> to get me. Delta has to get me from Malvern, Pennsylvania, or Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, to, to South Dakota. And then I'm, it sounds like I'm going to have to drive a couple hours in the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> I already have to be thinking, if my flight out of Philadelphia is canceled, delayed, whatever, how far of a drive is it? Or mm -hmm. how far of a drive is it to an airport where I can get another flight? Because thank, knock on wood, I've not missed a speaking engagement yet. But whether you're a speaker or you've got a really important meeting, to always be saying, things can happen. I will roll with that. But what are my options? Because it is not an option to just sit in an airport and tweet how mad or angry or frustrated <laughs> I am that I'm not going to get where I'm supposed to go. I have to be thinking, what's the way I'm going to be able to make this work? Enjoy That's the good journey advice. and always have a backup plans. Plans with plans. an S. Yes. Because <laughs> a backup plan to drive from Philadelphia to Aberdeen is probably not that great. Although it yeah. could be done, you know. It, and it, it could be done. I, I don't <laughs> know if you could do it but, in time for your talk, though. But to um, say, well, I'm, I'm in Philadelphia. I need to get to New York City so that I can get a flight. Yeah. You know, that's what yeah. I have to kind of be saying. Right. What are my options? What are your options? No, I love that. Oh, well, Jennifer, I am... So excited that we were able to have a little chance to chat. Looking forward to seeing you all sorts of places this summer, um, this conference season. It's going to be a great season. So please share with the listeners how they can um, get in touch with you before, during, after all of these fun conferences. Sure. There, I'm, I am easily findable, regardless of privacy issues on the internet. <laughs> Uh, you can find all things Jennifer McClure at jennifermcclure.net. There you can find links to the podcast, to my social uh, websites. I'm pretty active on Twitter, which is at Jennifer McClure. Definitely on LinkedIn, uh, Jennifer McClure. You can find me there. There's others, but I should be the first one that you find. Because <laughs> I've been working on my personal brand now for nine years. And the podcast is called Impact Makers with Jennifer McClure. And you can find it anywhere you can hear <laughs> this podcast. You can also hear yes. Impact Makers. Awesome. And I will share all of that in the show notes and I will be sure everyone at the South Dakota conference has that information as well. As for me, you can find me best ways, probably Twitter, Wendell 93. 
I will connect with you there and you can find everywhere else to find me through my Twitter feed. I do want to put in a plug for the HR Social Hour podcast. Please listen to that. And we also have a Twitter chat, monthly Twitter chat, uh, fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, we have a little fun. We keep it light. We don't talk about any policies, procedures. We talk about the fun stuff. So please join us there. Uh, Jennifer, thank you again. I appreciate you taking time to chat with me tonight. And uh, for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast Special Sodak Sherm Conference Edition, this is Wendy, and uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great night. Bye.